All right, take number two on. Round two. At least we were only about 15 seconds in on the last <laughs> one uh, before we got interrupted there. Uh, but what we were talking about before the podcast got interrupted was um, obviously I put a poll out today in, in, the, in the Facebook group about possibly doing the interreal open and whatnot. And it's hard sometimes to kind of get – because you get very uh, differing opinions on the open. Yeah, I feel like what the people very touchy subject. And it's weird. Like cause some people either, A, they love it, they hate it, and they're just kind of – indifferent to they're like ah, it's kind of yeah, whatever like if we don't do it that's cool if we do it that's cool too whatever i feel like probably most people probably fall in that boat probably. more than anything I would say like, most people were in the like the, the middle kind of like cool we'll do the workouts if we do it i'll get behind it if we don't do it it's kind of like nah all right that's fine too and i think if you can take the pressure off of like because i don't know it seemed like back in the day with the open there was so much pressure to like perform yeah right and uh and it's fine if you want to use that as like a performance side of things um, but they're trying to get a feel because we haven't really done the interval open in a couple of years I think that for a little while people were, were a little bit burned out on it because we did it probably for about what three or four years in a row wow yeah and so uh, which was, it was fun for a while and then also we uh, I think maybe 2019 or 2020 was the first year that we didn't really do, didn't it. do it and then last year we implemented like the team partner competition uh-huh. thing uh, with it which I think people enjoyed that aspect of it well, that well. and people usually tend to and myself included, tend to like the, when it comes to at least the competition side of things, like the partner aspect better compared to the individual aspect of it. Um, I think obviously some people just don't like the competition aspect of it at all, which is fine too. And so uh, just trying to get a pulse on what people want, if they want to do the open or not. And me and Kay, like I said, talked about it last night and and she kind of fell in that boat of like, like eh, I don't really care one way or the other. And so I think, like I said, I think that's where most people fall into. And so uh, we'll see kind of how it plays out. We're trying to get a little game plan ready to go because the Open starts, what, like February? Like 30 some days. Like 21st yeah. or, or something, something like that. And so uh, if you don't know what the Open is, it's like, and, we'll, and if we decide we're going to do we'll do a full podcast about it, I guess, um, is you know CrossFit headquarters puts out uh, – it used to be one every five weeks. Now it's one every three Thank weeks. The yeah, they reduce it down Thank to three weeks. And so uh, they produce an open workout like on Thursday afternoon where, uh, you know, you can sign up on the CrossFit, you know, open websites like that. And you can be ranked worldwide to see where you rank against the world as a way of a CrossFitter. Um, but it's basically like their first section of kind of advancing forward. And that's how you see like the CrossFit games and stuff like that. But it's open to anybody and everybody, right? And they try to make it a big inclusive thing where everybody can participate in the workouts. And so a lot of times we just do the workouts anyways, right? Because it's mean it's just fun to kind of see. We'll do them on Fridays. Yeah, we're doing we're doing on Fridays anyways, so you might as well, you know, participate and maybe doing something else on top of it, right? And make it a little bit, a little bit more pressure on you to get uncomfortable. Um, but uh, that's simply all it is, is that, you know, the CrossFit headquarters puts out workouts for the CrossFit Open that most gyms usually participate in and just do one of the workouts, right? And so, uh, so like I said, we're just trying to get a, get a pulse in the gym and kind of see – you know, if you guys are interested or not, if we decide we're going to go ahead and push that agenda forward, then we'll go ahead and do a full-on podcast on, you know, breaking it down and whatnot. So we'll probably have to make a decision on that probably within the next week or so because that will give us enough time to, to kind of do it. Prepare for it. Yeah, the proposed plan is – so essentially the intramural open is our way of, you know, you're adding to a team score by just participating in the workouts. And in years past, we did it where we did – you know, a, a team captain, we had like four teams in, in the gym and you had like different color systems. Like, you know, one team might be purple, one team might be green. Um, 
but maybe changing it up this year and just doing two teams and have like the morning crew versus the afternoon, afternoon crew. crew, right? And so I feel like people are going to get behind that. So you kind of get the recruiting process of recruiting yeah. people over to your team, and because obviously the more people you're signed up for your team, more likely chance of you doing winning, winning it, right? <laughs> and so uh, and I think even we might have to do, and I don't think about it. Randomly popped in my head is if somebody signs up for your team but then doesn't do the workout, the ducks points from Like it. a penalty? Like oh, a yeah, penalty. For sure. So you gotta, you gotta have penalty points as well. You gotta have well. some sort of penalty. Yeah, you have pe- so that way it, uh, it really pressures you to actually show up and do the workout, do right? So it's a way for you to hold yourself accountable to do the workouts. And so uh, so anyways, we'll, we'll go deeper into detail. I don't wanna go too far into that. And so, uh, but today's topic, one thing we're also gonna be launching here pretty soon is a bar muscle up Clinic class, class? class? Clinic? session. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> clinic. Um, and so we wanted to kind of do a podcast on uh, you know what that's going to entail and uh, who's it for and whatnot. And so by far, I would say that's probably the number one movement that people always are that's looking like the, to strive for. The glorified like I need to get a bar. Muscle. Yeah, bar must up or pull up. Just depends on yeah. where people fall into. Um, I think it's probably the most sought after movement. Uh, in, in, our, in our gym by far. And so uh, we want to maybe possibly provide a, a class or a session to really um, provide as much value to, to give you guys to, uh, to get one, right? And so, because in class settings, we don't have enough time to really, a bar muscle up is a higher skill movement, right? So for us to really break that movement down, it would take us, you know, 10 to 15 minutes to break that movement yeah. down in the detail for you to really understand and comprehend it. When only a small fraction of people in the class are Two performing. People, one person, three people might be doing. Exactly. Right? If you have a class of 15 people and you only have three people doing bar muscle ups, it's kind of not fair for the other 12 to have to sit there through a 10 minute lecture on bar yeah. muscle ups. And so, uh, for you guys who are wanting to learn that, right, you need to get a little bit more, we need to get a little more detailed with you and, and break it down a little bit more. And so, uh, so first off, Kale, I'm going to throw the ball in your court. Who is the bar muscle up program for? Um, or the clinic for? Who's it going to be for? Man, I feel like it's going to be for people that maybe... Well, what I mean by is what's the prerequisites? Prerequisites? So there are prerequisites okay. to doing the class. I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Yes. Um, I'm going to say, I don't know if you agree or not, but let's say six strict pull-ups. Okay, so we're going to set a standard six. six. Yeah, let's okay. say six. So because we had a discussion on you know where we want to set that number at, and usually our general guideline is closer to like the eight. Normally it's like know? eight to ten, right? And so we're going to blur that barrier down a little bit down to like maybe like six is the prerequisite to have the opportunity to be able to really do the clinic. Just because there's really no point in you doing the bar muscle clinic if you don't have the pre or constraint to even perform the movement, right? It's kind of pointless. And so uh, the prerequisite to sign up for the class will be at least six strict pull-ups, right? If you have six strict pull-ups, then you have a really good opportunity to, you have the first pulling strength to be able to get a bar muscle up, right? Like you said, right? At that point in time, you're probably lacking a little bit of the skill, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really the point of the bar muscle up classes is learning the skill and the the form of the bar muscle up. Uh, That's really where our main focus is going to be at. But also, let's say maybe you can do a bar muscle up but maybe you're wanting to learn how to either A, clean them up, or B, learn how to string them together, or C, just be able to accumulate more volume mm-hmm. of bar muscle-ups. Uh, this clinic can also be for you. Um, so we're not just limiting it just to somebody who hasn't gotten a bar Haven't gotten one just yet, right? So we're not exactly just limiting just that one person. That's 
where kind of our focus is going to be on is either A, somebody who has prerequisite strength but can't do one, or the other person, B, being the person who can maybe do one to maybe two, but they're looking to maybe clean up their form a little bit on it uh, and maybe accumulate a little more volume with it. Uh, now, who's the clinic not for? Let's kind of like spell that for? out. Not for would be somebody, obviously, A, who can't do any strict pull-ups currently, or maybe their strict pull-up volume is not to the, to the six, is obviously one. Or two, if you're male or female that can string together probably between five and 10 bar muscle-ups on a regular basis without too much of an issue, like Cole Hildebrandt, yeah. probably isn't gonna benefit from bar muscle. Yeah, you probably, <laughs> it's probably not gonna be a benefit. So Cole, if you're sorry, if you're listening to this, sorry, you can't, you can't do, the, do the clinic. Um, that's gonna be the, the kind of people that are gonna be more of the outliers, right? Uh, for those guys who can do a lot of volume of bar muscle-ups, like five to 10, uh, because it's gonna be more form-based, uh, they have the form down. If their goal is to be able to string higher volumes of bar muscle-ups, that involves a different kind of aspect, right? You're trying to, that's a little bit more like just building on the base of capacity of the bar muscle-up. And that's not what this clinic's gonna be about. And then obviously what we talked about is if you're somebody who wants to get a bar muscle-up but you don't really have a strict pull-up yet or you don't have many strict pull-ups, then you still need to keep continuing to build on that to uh, to get to that bar muscle up. So that's your number one thing that you need to work on to continue to get there. Like I said, there's no point us, you know, I don't want you to waste your money in paying well, for the clinic. If you don't and, have those strict pull-ups, like it would be so boring for you to come in here because all you're gonna do is do strength work, right? Like, exactly, it, right? It, it like depends, You're doing like a, a strength piece now for 30 minutes to an hour. Exactly, right? It's, it's basically pointless for us to do a, a clinic with somebody where are really for you to get a bar muscle up. You're gonna have to kind of get that strict pulling power first, right? And so, and if that's really what you want to do, right, you're going to have more benefit from like going to us, you know, for Hurricane X, for extra programming, to work on getting more strict pulling power, right? Which I know you've worked with people before and I've worked with people before to do that, where, you know, our goal was to like continue to keep working on more strict pulling power to have a prerequisite strength to do our muscle, right? Because if you don't have enough pulling power, I can teach you all the form in the world, do more muscle up, your ass isn't gonna get above that yeah. bar just because you just don't have it. And so uh, so that's kind of like the prerequisites to get it started. Um, what's gonna be kind of involved with the clinic itself, right? Uh, I don't think we've necessarily came up with an actual 10 day. I think it's gonna be late January, maybe the, I think the 28th is the so last the Saturday. Yeah, so after the Crying Eagle thing, maybe we'll start there on the 28th for sure. It's not a 10 to Day, not set in stone. It might be the either that first Saturday or last Saturday in January, first Saturday in February, which would be kind of a good lead up to the open, anyways. And so um, we'll hold a class, actual clinic, this class itself, for about three weeks. Be a three week course. That's what we discussed, right? And um, it'll run from eight on Saturday mornings from eight fifteen to nine. So about forty five minute classes, right? And really, the classes are meant for like me and Kale will be the coaches of the class to where. We're focusing on form-based stuff. It's not going to be also be general work things like that, but then it's be more a lot more form-based and just getting hands-on attention uh, with you as an athlete, right? And that's all we're solely going to focus on for forty-five minutes is, is working on bar muscle stuff, right? And then on top of that, you'll get two days of homework to do during the week to focus on getting the bar muscle, right? And that'll kind of be a little combination of a strength and B form stuff as well. So it's going to be a little combination of form and strength because there's you know, the guys that can do the bar muscles the best are the guys that can like get 15 to 20 strict pull-ups. Yeah. Those are the guys at the, at the gym that are the best at bar muscles or those kind of, those guys. And so the the more we can continue to keep building up your strict strength, 
the likelihood of your bar muscles being more efficient and easier for you goes up. And obviously, you know, you can have guys who have a lot of strict pull-ups, but their form's not the best thing to clean it up. But it obviously helps out a ton when you can do a shitload of strict pull-ups. Well, you can pull-ups. do 15 to 20 strict pull-ups. Like, you can just critique your form just a little bit, and that'll make a huge difference. Yeah, and that's that's why we always want to include people who who can do maybe one or two, right? They've got a bar muscle-up, but they're not the cleanest bar muscle-ups in the world that they need to kind of... Uh, make those more efficient this is also for them and that's kind of the and then i'll run for three weeks right so every saturday for three weeks you know from the let's say we start on the 28th then you know where that date falls into february like the 5th and then you know the 12th and so on and so forth for those three weeks i will do those classes uh, for 45 minutes focus on the bar muscle-ups and then you'll get an additional two days of homework to do to work on those bar muscle-ups that you could do before or after class um the sessions will probably make it to where they'll probably last somewhere around that 20 minute window to complete uh, but it's a great opportunity for you guys that are interested in doing it to sign up for it. Uh, we'll probably set the, the price at around $40 for the three weeks. Um, and uh, it's just like it's a way for you to like get good hands on coaching inside of a clinic center because with bar muscle ups, it's really hard to do like remote programming yeah. when it comes to like bar, really like, like to, a like, skill. See what they're doing. Exactly. Like, it's hard to program like a skill movement in, in just like a general program. But I just like, hey, you're gonna do like hand you a piece of paper, like, hey, go to do these drills to try to get a bar you muscle. Don't know up. If you're doing it right, wrong. Yeah. Exactly, right? Like you you could possibly get it right, right? If you yeah, have yeah, a visual sure, reference. Sure, possible. sure. But it, it helps out a ton to have an actual coach there, right? And uh, like we talked about, it was one of those things where um, it's it's really tough to do that in a class setting because you just have other people who are interested in doing bar muscles and we can't waste, you know, five, 10 minutes talking about a movement that Everybody's most of the class is not doing. Half the class like looking at you like, what are we doing? And yawning because they don't yeah. care. And then, you know, you try to start working with somebody on it and you're kind of rushing because you're trying to get the class started for the workout as well. It's usually how it works out. And so uh, we want to take a little bit more time to kind of work on that. And so, uh, I mean, to kind of tackle to the podcast, the podcast isn't too short. Uh, Besides the the general strength piece, so actually we kind of we kind of harped on that. Is what do you feel like is the number one thing for people that let's say maybe they have pre of strength, uh-huh. but they can't quite get the bar muscle up. What do you think is the number one thing that you normally see as a coach that prevents them from doing it? I would say it's one of two things. I would say one, they're not jumping in a hollow. Mm-hmm. One, two, they don't get their knees to the bar. Yeah, um, those would be my two cues because a lot of times you either see people. Jumping under the bar, mm-hmm. okay. So you like from a stagnant hang, exactly. So you don't get that pull, big pull through the bar. Um, and then two would be like get shooting. I say knees. Some people say shoot your hips. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think knees is a little bit better for Q, uh, just because once you shoot your knees to the bar, then you would shoot your hips, then you get on top of the bar. Yeah. Um, and then third would probably be like a maybe like a head butt or like a head through. Okay. Uh, I feel like girls. That one's a big one for girls. Like the, the sit, like over. actually sitting over. Sitting more like being bar. aggressive to sit over. I think guys is more of like shooting your knees. Yeah. Uh, so if you kind of like kind of rewind on that, so like if somebody doesn't know, like jumping a hollow. What do you mean by that? Um, so jumping a hollow would be like I'm sure if you come to any of like my classes, normally we'll do for our bar muscle bar muscle people. But if you were to stand right under your bar, mm-hmm. take probably maybe a step, step and a half back. Um, you would jump. So you're like a foot behind the bar, maybe foot and a half. Maybe about a foot, foot, foot and a half. Um, but you would jump into that hollow body position to where when your hands hit the bar, you're in a hollow. That way you can snap to that arch. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're pretty much going from a hollow body hold to like a Superman hold, mm-hmm. um, essentially. Um, and so that's what's kind of creates that momentum to get those knees and hips up to yeah. the bar. 
I kind of like to relate it to like a bow and arrow. That's a good way to look at it. Right. That's why I kind of tell people because people like understand like the why as to why we do, you know, why jumping into a hollow is beneficial, right? Is because if you start in a dead hang and then you just decide, okay, I'm going to pull into an, like pull myself into like a kip, right? Where I kind of arch the bar. That arch me very small, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of like momentum built in. You'd be like me basically from a stagnant position on a barrel and arrow, just basically letting it go, right? It's not going to go very yeah. far. So for me to actually get trajectory on the arrow, I have to actually pull back on there to create tension, create tension. in the bow. And so it's the same concept. Essentially what you're doing is you're creating tension by jumping into the hollow position, which then from there, it's equal and opposite reactions, right? So if I jump, you know, from behind the bar, catch behind the, or in behind the bar, my, basically my, you can think of it visually. It's kind of hard in a podcast to talk about this, but think of it like you're in a hollow bar position. While I'm jumping the air. I'm catching the bar out in front of me, right? So the bar, I can visually see my hands grabbing the bar out in front of me. Okay? Your toes and hands are in front of you. Yes. Think of it like, like a moon shape or a banana shape. And then from there, that momentum is obviously going to carry me forward. As I start to swing forward, I then, while being having good body awareness, pull myself into a Superman or arching phase, and I would get more of an arch phase because of the way I jumped to that hollow, right? Compared to if I started a stagnant hang, then I don't build as much of, a, of an arch. And then from there, once again, equal and opposite reaction, that allows for more momentum to be swung back the other way to create a trajectory to get over the bar. And so at first, it seems that that seems to be a little bit of more of a simple thing that people catch on to relatively fit quickly. You would think that's a simple thing, but sometimes it throws people for a And it does. There are some people that it throws off. I'll say more often than not, most people get it. There are definitely a portion of people who that's a struggle to start off with. But I feel like the toughest section for most people is as you kind of swing back, going back around the bar. So you've hollowed, you jump into the arch and you've come back around and you're kind of getting underneath the bar where your body's kind of somewhat parallel mm-hmm. to the ground, right? And at that point in time, if you think about it logically, all that momentum is now carrying you back behind the bar. Well, the goal is to get above the bar. So you have to change the, the trajectory of that momentum. And so to do that is you have to now break at your knees. So you're essentially, you're kind of pushing your legs to like a 45 degree angle, which mm-hmm. is... Hopefully this is not boring too many of you guys to talk about this. That basically allows you to load the position. And then from there, you have to drive your hips to the bar, which then puts the trajectory vertically to get you over the bar. Right. And like you kind of said, then you have to sit forward over the bar. Um, I think that little section right there of like driving these up and extending the hips is where I see the biggest, um, people have a hard time understanding how to do that. Um, They'll do the, the jump, the hollow, arch, get the knees up, but then they don't know how to extend their hips to the bar, right? And that's the hardest thing as a coach also to teach somebody. And I've tried a thousand different it's drills hard. It's very hard. of trying to get people to understand how that works. Um, and every drill requires your heels to be supported by something, so you're mm-hmm. pushing down your heels on something. The best one is probably the ring drill. Yeah. Probably. And, uh, and so you're pushing down on something, which that isn't going to be the case when you're actually hanging from the bar, right? So... I'm not as big a fan of those particular drills because it sometimes doesn't uh, translate over from the drill that you're doing with your feet on the on the object and then trying to hang again because now you're used to kind of pushing your heels down on something. 
but sometimes it does click for some people to kind of get that hip snap and they're like, oh, that's what it feels like. Then they can translate over. But it's far in between that I've seen it actually be successful. More than likely, probably not going to help. Yeah. And then once, if you can get the, the knee drive and then the hip drive with it, the sitting over sections, that's the, easy that's the easiest section the probably, easiest. right? You You've really, done all the hard work. That's the easy part. It's yeah. really just getting out to connect the knee to hip, knee to hip to bar. Yeah. You've done all the hard work at that point in time. So at that point in time, it's just a matter of like sitting hard forward over the bar, you know? And so, uh, and also then you got to lock it out, which yeah. that's never an issue either. Well, normally like once you get a, a bar dip is way easier than like a ring dip. Well, like, <laughs> it's just funny how over the years, you know, the, how people have won, like the bar muscle, the ring muscle conversation, yeah. how like back in the day when I sort of crossed it, bar muscles weren't even a thing yet. And it was all solely ring. So pretty much everybody got their first ring muscle before they got their first bar muscle. That's and it was like that even for a few years, even when bar still always got implemented into CrossFit, people still got ring before they got bar. And uh, like over probably the last like five or six years, it's changed. everybody gets bar and everybody gets yeah. ring anymore. And because you would see people back in the day get over the rings and literally couldn't lock out the dip. You get the dip, right? right? Yeah. So you don't have that issue with the bar muscle, right? Because the dip's the, there's, there really is no dip in the bar muscle for the most part. Um, but I remember so many people would literally land over the rings and literally could not dip themselves out. They're sitting there, like, oh man, that was so, because you've done so much hard work at that point to get over. Because rings, it's it's very technical. It's Mm -hmm. very technical movement. It's not like a bar muscle. Like the rings are moving left, right, forward, backwards. Yeah. You know, bar is stationary. It's not moving. Yeah. Um, and then once you actually send your head through the rings, (coughs) now you got to focus on like squeezing the rings. Yeah. There's, there's a whole lot that goes into it. Yeah, it's a it's a way more of a higher skill movement, uh, and and people actually people don't understand is that the ring actually requires less strength than the bar, than the bar. for the most part. Um, it just requires it's more stability, yeah. and it requires a lot more finesse of a movement. So you have to be way more uh, like way more form based with a ring compared to the bar. The bar also requires form, but you can get away with a lot by just having raw power. For sure. Um, that's why it's even more important to have the strip pulling power for the, the bar muscle because it, the more raw power you have, the easier the bar muscle is going to be. Because you, you see it all the time. You see guys coming in here, maybe they come from like a traditional gym who have a lot of, a lot of pulling strength. They can do like 10 plus strip pull-ups like right from the first day. They can probably get a bar muscle, bar muscle up in their first week of sure. being here. Um, and so, but with rings, you don't require as much pulling strength because you can get into a false grip position, yeah. which automatically presets the hand on top Good of the ring. Really, the hard part for some people is like just getting the prerequisite of like doing a, a dip, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so it's it's just funny how that that's transitioned. A lot of people look at rings now as like, which it, it's in my opinion, it, as you've gotten people have gotten more skilled with the bar muscle up, the rings have definitely become a, a tougher movement for most individuals, including myself. Because I remember you know back in the day, I would prefer done ring muscle ups to bar to bar muscle ups, but over the years, after performing you know thousands of bar muscle ups at this point in time, like. The rings wear me out way more than bar do. You know what's funny about bar muscle ups? You know who helped me get my first bar muscle up? Trevor Jolie. You serious? I swear to God. Oh, God. At CSE. I don't even know if he knows that. Um, but I remember I was struggling to get a you bar You couldn't muscle. get one? And he was like, dude, just wipe your hands. And so I wiped my hands and I sure... See, it's weird because most people I find do better when they narrow their hands. Narrow At least especially females. Um, females I, especially. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, I think I, I was... Maybe that was just... I was in like two maybe two narrow right and so yeah. just like wide grip. Um, but I remember him like walking up to me and Trevor was sitting on the side of me and he was like, "Hey, wide your grip out a little bit by hand." 
Sure. First got one. Bam. Really jump up with a wide grip. Get it. Wow. I'm like, all right. Well, thank you, Trevor. Because <laughs> usually with the uh, and, and maybe maybe you are a little bit too narrow. Because you think about logically, you go a little oh, bit boy, wider. You have like a shoulder width grip. You can push down with the bar, right? Well, for some like for instance, I find like for instance, like females um, have a tendency to be weaker, a little bit wider. Wider. Um, and so. People, like especially females, have a tendency to, they can get a little bit more narrow with their grip. Um, they're a little bit stronger in that position, and they can use a little bit more bicep as well compared to the guys. The guys have a lot more lat strength in general. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but they're not as mobile, right? So if you get more narrow, that usually requires you to have a little bit more mobility to get and like tighter to get in. Um, it's more range of motion as well. So if you can have the strength to go a little bit wider, uh, it kind of takes the bicep out a little bit, but it also creates a little more space to get over. To get over so it really depends. It's kind of like it depends kind of question. But because uh, I usually find with females, they have a tendency to do a little better with their hands a little bit more narrow compared to a little bit wider. But everybody's a little different. Um, and so uh, as well as I probably recommend most of you guys have some sort of grips, obviously, as well, which I think is an issue. Are- very important. Other than Sydney, <laughs> other than Sydney Landry. Than, yeah, I don't know what she's doing, but I don't know what to do with that. Just raw dogging it. Yeah. Uh, I can still remember for the longest time, dude. I didn't use, did not like grips. Really, dude? You know he still doesn't use grips. Matt Cole. No. Doesn't dude. Doesn't use grips. Well, never, never seen him wear a pair. He refuses. I don't know if he refuses, but I to this day have never seen him wear a pair of grips. What? No never. way. Bar muscle ups, total bar does not matter. To a degree, there's a little piece of me. It's kind of like. I've gotten very reliant on them. Oh, they're a crutch. They're very much they're a crutch. Hundred percent crutch. Um, but because very powerful crutch. <laughs> now the only thing I don't use them for is ring muscle ups. Really? I do not like you don't use them for rings because the way the the wood is on the rings, my the grip almost takes into too, into it too hard where I have a hard time turning over on them. Okay. Personally, I don't like using them for rings, but a lot of times my hands get torn up because Dog, I wouldn't even like. Not even use my fingers. I would flap over on the ring. I can't, but I can't turn over like hardly. I guess, yeah. If I have my grip on the ring, personally, because of the wood. Um, for everything for else, obviously, I, I like to have it. Man, during the uh, 12 Days of Christmas workout, I didn't wear them. Because we only had like two sets of 11 total bars. Yeah. And I was like, man, this feels so weird. <laughs> just jumping the bar, no grips. Oh, man. Me. I remember it would like, feel weird on my hand, but also like, like, make my wrist feel weird just mm-hmm. jumping up without grips. Like, it's weird doing it now, weird. not having grips on. Uh, it's it's like my wrist has like... It's like feels comfortable with grips, and then without grips, it's like okay, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird feeling not having grips on anymore with it. But uh, so yeah, that's definitely a recommendation for equipment wise if you're going to do them. It's not a must, but you don't have if you want your hands to like, last for the for the whole session, you try you're probably have forty five minutes. I would recommend it. Yeah, having some grips on. And so, uh, but anyways, that's kind of our, our take on the bar muscle up. Uh, the for the the clinic itself, we'll probably push out either. Uh, you can go and answer that, Kel. You guys can either, we'll probably push out either this Friday or this Monday. Um, we'll have a few weeks to kind of register up for it, but if some of you are interested in, hopefully you, uh, you guys will be all signed up and whatnot. And then uh, we will talk to you guys next time. Later.